Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is my opinion, and I'm going to seek my approval. Do I approve of me? Love doesn't have any expectations. It doesn't seek something in return. It gives because it wants to. At our core, all of us have these feelings of being unlovable and inadequate. And until we start to care for those parts of ourselves, we can't really have the outer successes that we long for. As money by your intuition, insight, creativity, higher vision, transcendence, no. Money does buy you pleasure, and pleasure is good, but it's not enough. We need fulfillment. Welcome to the Unwind Podcast, a show to help you pause, relax, reflect, and be curious. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best selling author and entrepreneur exploring the human experience. I interview world leading thinkers shaping ideas around the mind, health, spirituality, philosophy, and culture. I'm often reminded that thoughts become things, so we need to choose the good ones. I hope this show helps you to do that too. On the podcast this week, I'm interviewing Rianne Stevenson, who is a leading nutritional therapist, naturopath, ex-athlete, and the founder of the award-winning supplement brand Artar. She's got an extensive knowledge of functional health, nutrition, and well-being, and she's been at the forefront of the health and fitness industry for over a decade, changing people's lives. Rianne has meticulously studied Eastern medicine to Western nutritional science to offer people a better path to health and healing. She's a fountain of knowledge, let me tell you, and I'm excited for you to get to know her. She created Artar the brand with a mission, a mission to give people better access to supplements that really worked and could effectively tackle the root cause of health imbalances from gut health, hormone balance, metabolism, mood, immunity, fertility, energy, and sleep. I reached out to Rianne a few months ago because I had found Artar myself and I wanted to find the brains behind it. I was so sick and tired of finding supplements that really didn't help you or didn't have enough of the ingredients that you needed. And so when I was on my fertility journey last year, I found Artar's Enhanced Fertility Supplement and it had massive impacts on my egg freezing journey. As many of you might know, I have frozen my eggs twice and I began using Rianne's fertility supplement six months before my second freezing round and the results were significantly better the second time. This could have also been down, of course, to the fact I did sleep more, I exercised gently and didn't, I opted out of that kind of hardcore exercise I was doing previously and I did add more protein to my diet, but I do place huge credit on Artar supplement because it contains ingredients that have been proven to optimize egg health at a dosage that you need them in. 
And so I reached out to Rianne to thank her. And I'm now thrilled that she's on the podcast sharing her wisdom around the science behind supplementation, fertility, and how we can support our body through different life stages. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. What's a favorite quote you return to often and why? So one of my favorite quotes, a friend of mine said this to me when I was going through a breakup and she said, you can't eat an elephant in one sitting. And I love it because I'm the type of person who's really hard on myself. If something goes wrong or if I'm upset, I'm kind of like, I have to be better now. Like, why am I still coping with this? But that quote really reminds me that like things take time. You know what I mean? So it takes a lot of time to process things. It takes time to feel good. It takes time to feel better. And I just really like it because it gives me certainly like the space and the perspective to be a little bit more kind to myself and just realize that I, I need to be patient. I feel that, that couldn't be more relevant for right? culture today, mm-hmm. given the fact that I, we are all becoming more impatient. Yeah. And she said it to me because I had gone through a breakup and it was really, really hard. And I just started to feel good again. And then something happened where I felt bad. Mm. And And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I still, you know, I was so hard on myself. And she she was like, relax, you can't eat an elephant in one sitting. And I was like, I love that. So it's like one of my favorites for sure. Oh, I really like it. Yeah, I really like it. It's so kind. It's so kind. Yeah. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? I think it's just so important to back yourself. So I think that's really important, especially for women, especially for women in business and those also who are trying to juggle a family. You know, there's so much against us. So I think it's really important to just really have that faith in your own vision and your strength and your purpose and back yourself. Do you think things have changed in the last few years? Have you noticed it easier for women to back themselves? Do you think that this conversation that now I guess has been going on for a few years has got to a point where you notice that more in the workplace? Or do you think actually we're still quite behind as women in general? when it comes to backing themselves? I think there's a lot of awareness that it has to happen. I Mm. think it's still kind of in the process of, okay, well, how do we make this a reality? Mm. And what are we doing to help women to really feel that that way, right? Because I think there's, we all know it's important, but there's still a disconnect between knowing it's important and seeing it actually happen. I imagine everyone probably assumes that you're just full of confidence because you've had a really successful career. So for that to be your life lesson that you've been reminded of recently, I'm sure would maybe surprise people. Would you agree? Yeah, look, I think that people look at me and from the outside, I run a business. It's not the first one I've run. I've got two kids, but leaving my first business was incredibly challenging Mm. and upsetting. I do have two kids now, but it took me a long time to get there. You know, I've had five miscarriages. So there's been a lot that I've had to go through. And so Mm. I think... I always have to remind myself to keep going, right? And I think that if we think everything is just going to be really easy, that's when it becomes even harder because we expect it to happen. We expect it to be easy, but you know, it's tough. And so I think you really need to cultivate the resilience and the belief that you can do it. It's worth it. And it's going to take time. I feel everybody needs to hear that. How do you define success? For me, success is doing something that you're really passionate about. So I don't think I'm the type of person who could ever work in a job where I'm not full of passion about the topic. Mm. And so being successful for me is just trying to live my passion, whether it be with my work or with my family. Has your definition of success changed? 
Yeah, it probably has. So when I ran my first business, I got to the point where I had a complete burnout. Um, I ended up in hospital with pneumonia. I was in hospital for eight days. I mean, I worked myself to the ground. And from the outside, again, everyone thought I was doing incredibly well. They were all asking me, like, what's your wellness routine? What's your morning routine? And I was like, my morning routine is to wake up and have like a venti coffee and just go as hard as I could. You know, it wasn't living how I want to. And so that moment really reset me because I realized that I could be successful, I could be a CEO, but if I wasn't enjoying my life, if I didn't have my health, and health, of course, is one of my biggest values, then what's the point? So that's when I really started to kind of shift. What do you think drives your ability and determination to work that hard? I mean, I'm, a lot of people listening will be able to relate, including myself, to kind of an episode of burnout. Yeah. But what drove you to that point? I think for a lot of women, even though, you know, there's so much more to us than, than work, we define ourselves by how successful we are at work. And certainly I think I went through a period of that. Mm. And I don't know why. It was certainly what my father valued. Mm. So I, there was that kind of ingrained, you know, you must work hard, you must be successful. Mm. And, um, you know, I liked it. So yeah. I liked to work. I had fun at work. When you become successful, it can be quite addictive because you feel very validated. Um, so I think that then that combined with as you become more successful, unless you're really intentional, it's really easy to then become out of balance in, in other ways. So then your work almost becomes your whole life, or it certainly did for me. So just kind of, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, I think. I mean, that being addicted to the kind of the validation yeah. of something that we like, I mean, 99.9% .9 of humans, I right. think, can yeah. relate to it. But Maybe with the change of technology, it has... Well, that's why social media is so, yeah. so successful. You're like, oh, I've had 300 likes. And then one day you haven't, then you're like, what have I done wrong? And you know, equally, even if people had that, you know, which I'm sure people did, because it's quite a natural human yeah. thing it's to be nature. want validation. Mm -hmm. Suddenly our phones have enabled us to work 24 hours a day. Exactly. So we have no stop point. Yeah. And I think also... I'm not from here, so, you know, I don't have family here. Mm. Um, at the time that I was in my first business, my all the friends who I'd moved here with kind of went back home. So I kind of found myself without the tight friendship circle that I was used to having. So I just had more time to just work more and do more and work more. And so, it, like, there was just a variety of things that happened that threw me into this pace that was just not sustainable or comfortable or enjoyable. So where did Arta then come from and, and what was the change from this moment? And what did you, when you had that moment, I guess, yeah. when, especially when you're in hospital for eight days, it's a long yeah. time. Yeah. It was a dream. I was like, uh, I was on IVs. I was getting painkiller. <laughs> I was sleeping. I was watching movies. I was like, this is the best holiday. But if you need to go to the hospital to have a holiday, it's a good sign. That Things need to you're, change. Yeah, that you're working a little bit too hard. I think, so art has always been in, inside of me. I'm a nutritionist and naturopath by trade. I've wanted to be one my whole life. Um, that's what I did right after high school. And I did that because when I was young, I was very, very ill. So I always had what they were, what they called stomach migraines. I vomited a lot. You know, I was exhausted. I had to sleep sitting up because I had acid reflux. And I went to so many doctors and I was always fine. So they couldn't find a cause. And at the very end, they finally sent me to a psychiatrist who said, maybe I don't like going to school. And I was like, oh, 
this is not right. Like I, I actually feel sick. So I struggled with my health and feeling really kind of out of place from my friends for such a long time. And then finally, when I was about 17, my mother took me to a naturopath and we did some investigations. We, we did some more testing and she, they found out that I had an allergy to casein, which is the protein in milk. Now I'd been tested for lactose intolerance because that's the test that they did back then, but never for anything else. And so I changed my diet and it changed my life. And so I was so passionate about the power of food and how much it can transform your health that I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So it's always been in me. I I worked in clinical practice for kind of my first eight or, or nine years. And I saw that when you use good quality supplements, your outcomes are fantastic, you know, of course with food. And when you use poor quality supplements, you don't get the same outcomes. And I think that I just became really fascinated with how to formulate and the combinations that you could make and what makes a really good one. And then also I noticed that back then, you know, a lot of the practitioner grade brands were behind a paywall where you'd have to see a practitioner to get a code or they'd have to order it or they were on obscure sites that people couldn't access. And the ones on the high street just were bad quality, right? So there was just a really big disparity between when you look at high quality skincare, you know, it looks so chic, it's so beautiful, you can get it everywhere. But I didn't see the same thing for high quality supplementation. And so it was in my mind kind of all of my 20s. So then fast forward to when I started Arta, I had just had my first baby. I had noticed through the fitness business that so many people were falling in love with movement, but they were still suffering from the same things. You know, they still had IBS, they still had stress, they still had anxiety, skin problems, you name it, right? Because exercise is fantastic and we should exercise, but it's not enough, right? We have to look at our diet, we have to look at our nutrition, and we have to look at how we're actually fueling ourselves. So I decided it was a really great time. You are, you've been a CEO, you're the CEO of your own company, you're an entrepreneur, you look after people that work for you, you also have children, and you also exercise. Um, So just some kind of simple questions on your routine. How do you have time to work out? Because I feel that if I'm going into an office, um, especially early, and then I have a full day with lots of different people, you're so exhausted by the evening, and especially you've got to come home and look after your children. How do you have time to work out? Yeah, so how do you balance... Like health, family, and work. One of the things I really noticed after my first child, because that was the first time my ability and my freedom to do whatever I wanted, of course, was taken away, right? And so I used to be able to train as much as I wanted. And it was a real shock when I would only have like 15 minutes here or I'd miss whole days. And so the first month or two, I was like, oh, I hate running with a bad You know, I focused a lot on the negativity, but um, it's just not helpful to focus on that. So I run probably three times a week there. And then I just ordered a bunch of weights at home because again, like you need to look at what the barriers are. My new barriers are, I don't have time to go to a class. I don't have time to go to the gym. Okay, what can I do then? So I ordered bands. I ordered kettlebells. I ordered weights and I follow a program at home. Now on the weekend now we're finally at at a stage where I now have time and my husband will will watch them and I'll go for a gym and I'm like and I (laughs) spend like an hour and a half and I do Stairmaster which I used to hate but now it feels like such a luxury to do a Stairmaster. I'm like I'm gonna do Stairmaster for 20 minutes. So there are going to be phases where it's going to be really challenging and you have to find a way and it's not ideal. It's probably not what you want but it's better than nothing. Yes. And when I 
adopted that mindset and I just started to be thankful for the time instead of resenting that it wasn't enough time, it changed everything, right? You can do a lot of time. You, you can do a ton with just your body. So I think that's really, that was the key for me. I came across ATA because I guess my learning in the last few years is that supplements are not created equally. Just yeah. like you said, there are so many bad quality supplements out there yeah. and I would just have drawers and drawers and drawers of these supplements that felt just they did nothing. But you know far more about the supplementation world. So are the things that you would like to tell people, watch out for this, watch out for that, and the things that you've purposefully been different in doing when you were building your company? Yes, yeah, so I think one of the things that really shocked me was that you can put in anything and there's no regulation. So unfortunately, supplements are still in this country unregulated. And so because of that, you can add a ton of you can add a ton of colorings. You can add a lot of things that actually aren't going to be beneficial for your health. And then you can just kind of put in any amount or type of ingredient and there's no checks in place. So that was really frustrating for me. And I would certainly, when I was in clinical practice, I saw so many people taking the wrong supplements that it was just something that I really wanted to help change. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Because the amount of money people spend on organic food yeah. because they want to ensure, I don't know, their food doesn't have pesticides on it, yeah. but yet their supplementation could be full of pesticides and they'd have no idea. Yeah. And the fillers too, and the talc and the colors. I mean, these are things that we shouldn't be paying to put in our body when we think we're trying to be natural, right? Mm. And so I think that that was something I found really challenging. And then what I found really hard, certainly through my fertility journey was that I was taking kind of a very popular natural supplement, but then I had to buy all these other ones to just get the amount up to something that would help me to optimize my fertility. So the RDA isn't going to be enough. That's not what I needed. I was older. I was under lots of stress. I really wanted to optimize my egg quality to optimize my chances. And I just found that I had to like pick and choose a ton of ones instead of getting it all in one place. So this is what we've bonded over yeah. is your incredible <laughs> fertility supplement yeah. um, because I started using your uh, fertility supplement three months before my second egg freeze yeah. and my results of my second retrieval were so much better than that my first. That makes me so happy. And, and that's it, only three months, right? So imagine if you continued on. Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, let's break that down because I feel this has all been kind of new learnings to me. Yeah. But let's talk about egg quality. Yeah. Why is that important? And I guess what was the thinking behind you creating the fertility supplement that you did? So the quality of egg will affect the quality of embryo, right? It's very important to make sure that we're doing everything we can to have a high quality egg. I found that in my research when I was seeing fertility specialists, egg quality was something that was coming up a lot and it is highly dependent on our internal environment. So even things like whether or not our blood sugar is out of balance, whether or not we're kind of pro-inflammatory and have a lot of inflammation, the levels of oxidative stress. So I really wanted to put in, you know, targeted ingredients that were being used in the fertility world to help to improve outcomes when it comes to egg quality. And what particular ingredients actually have clinical... Yes, yeah, so CoQ10 uh, yeah. is a big one. Um, that one 
we naturally kind of start to lose the amount of CoQ10 as we age, right? Especially after the age of 35. So this is an antioxidant that's very important for the production of energy to help to stabilize the membranes of eggs. And it's something that's really important for its just whole kind of cellular energy production. So it's one of the ones that you can find it in some of the high street brands, but it'll be like a tiny bit. Um, Is that because it's expensive? It's very expensive. So I think that what that's certainly I was buying a multi plus a CoQ10, whereas what I wanted to do with mine is to put it in just from the start. And it's in the amount that you would take if if you were taking it on its own. So that one's really important. And then two other ones, which I really love for egg quality and just kind of that oxidative stress are N-acetylcysteine and alpha lipoic acid. So two really potent, strong antioxidants, really important, not only for the quality of egg and kind of its energy production capacity, but also for our blood sugar balance, which is so important for um, hormonal health. Okay, I want to zone in on those because that's <laughs> really, really interesting. Those two antioxidants that yeah. you mentioned, is that because our body, why, why, for example, would we need that? What is happening in the body, especially as we age, yeah. that, would, that would require us to need antioxidants, an external antioxidant more? Yeah. So these two antioxidants are found within our body. But when you look at our lifestyle, right, we, we have a higher burden of inflammation. We know that we, ha- we have a higher burden of oxidative stress from alcohol, from exercise, from environmental toxins, from the quality of our food, right? 60% plus of our food is ultra processed. So we have a higher inflammatory load that our bodies need to compensate for. So it's really important to try to work on that as a woman, if you're trying to conceive, is to really try to get that burden of inflammation and oxidative stress down. Would men benefit from supplementing with CoQ10? Yeah, yeah. So that's also been one that's been implicated for sperm quality as well. Wow. Yeah. So you can take enhanced fertility if you're a man or a woman. And was that, when you were developing it, it, did you have that in mind? The responsibility load seems to be unnaturally placed on women and and men kind of run around. Which is odd because of the declining rate of of sperm quality, of course. (laughs) Right. So it's a bit strange. It's so crazy. When I first got told that sperm numbers were decreasing one to two percent every single year it's wild it's quite it's quite frightening i think when you look because obviously being a naturopath you know having been in clinical practice when you look at our lifestyle what behaviors do you think are so present and yet actually are the most detrimental but potentially so subtle we wouldn't even think that they were that unhelpful for our health so i think that's a tough question because there are so many little things that that all add up, right? Mm-hmm. One is that we we aren't kind of taught to create health. So when when we think about our bodies, we aren't taught to kind of tune in and think, how am I feeling? Do I have good energy? Like, am I going to the bathroom every day? How is my actual level of health? We're kind of taught to just get on with things mm-hmm. and that all of these symptoms are normal, right? And while they're common, they're not necessarily normal. So I think if you live with a condition or symptoms, that's the first thing you need to look at because that's your body trying to tell you something. That's one. Number two, I think, and I'm probably not going to be very popular for saying this, but alcohol. Um, So when you look at the NHS guidelines for women, it's 14 units a week. When you look at other organizations like fertility 
UK says even moderate to mild alcohol use can impair your fertility. So these guidelines aren't set up with women in mind, and they certainly aren't set up with fertility in mind. So I think, I mean, certainly when I was young, I drank a ton, you know, especially when you're dating, you're out, you're drinking yes. wine. So I think even just that kind of every night having wine, every weekend having a bit extra, those are habits that might not affect you as much in your 20s, but in your 20s, you're setting yourself up for how you're going to be in your 30s and so on. So I think it's really important to look at how healthy we actually are, how healthy we feel, and then what some of those lifestyle habits are that we know aren't good, right? Like we know that alcohol is a toxin. Now it's an acceptable toxin. It's fun. It tastes good. So it's kind of just embedded into our life, but we have to, we can't forget that this is a toxin, right? It's tough. It's tough, but I think it's always just important to remind ourselves because we're being sold alcohol left, right, and center. So yeah. this is actually the balance, isn't it? Just well, to and we're also ourselves. being sold the idea of everything in moderation. But what does that actually mean, right? So for one person, they might think, well, one one glass of wine each night is completely m- moderate because it's under the guidelines. But if they're thirty five or over, trying to conceive, maybe are tired, maybe have headaches, maybe have, right? We have to think of everyone individually to know what moderation actually means. You can only kind of layer in that everything in moderation once you have that kind of foundation of of true health, right? For me, my relationship with alcohol has changed massively since I've had kids. Now, it was mainly because I spent years trying to get pregnant, so I didn't drink that much. But I realized after I tried again to have alcohol, the impact it has on your mood and on your energy and on your sleep. And when you're a new parent, those are things you can't afford to lose, right? I mean, I just don't really drink now because I find it unenjoyable because even though for that hour, I really like it, it tastes good, I feel a bit happy, I'm not sleeping. And then I'm art, and then I'm up at 5.30 because my kids are up at half past five and it's relentless all day. And it impairs my mood, it impairs my energy, it impairs how patient I am with my girls and that really affects me. So I think it's about, you know, just trying to tune in to your body as a first step. I am over the moon because I want to take a moment to thank my podcast partners for this episode. It is the brand Artar and they create the most incredible supplements and I'm really not just saying this. I took their fertility supplement for three months prior to my egg freezing journey and it gave me so much confidence because I knew I was taking great quality, very thought through supplements that would give the nutrients my body needed to optimize my result. And they offer different supplements for different things, but I couldn't recommend their fertility supplement more if you are on that maternal journey. But they focus on being effective, efficient, evidence-based, and they also offer nutrition programs designed to help you thrive. They're award-winning. They use practitioner strength and sustainably sourced ingredients free from harmful additives and fillers. And they use the very best quality ingredients at the right dosage. And many supplements don't do this. And so this is why I want to celebrate Artar even more for how delicate and sensitive they've been when it comes to health and supporting people in the way they need to be supported. Their range includes formulas for metabolism, cellular health, gut health, and of course, fertility to help you address metabolic health from every angle. 
I obviously am a huge fan of their Enhanced Fertility Blend, which uses vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients proven to improve egg quality, hormone health, and blood sugar. All the things are very important on that journey. And I love that they use a good dose of CoQ10, which is an important ingredient for women in their 30s because it has everything you need to optimize maternal and fetal health. So that's a truly honest recommendation. I'll put a link to the brand in the show notes. And I've got some really exciting news. Arta have very kindly given my podcast listeners 20% off. So if you'd like to try out their supplements, just type in poppy20 at checkout. And I'll put that in the show notes too. And you'll get 20% on anything you buy. I think it's a hugely generous discount, so do use it. I'm even using the discount myself. Anyway, let's get back to the interview. You have mentioned that you had quite a long fertility journey, um, which is becoming more normal as I speak to more and more women. And um, maybe it's just because I've become interested in this, and so suddenly I'm hearing all these stories that sound very similar, um, which is... I thought it was going to be easier. Yeah. Well, we're taught from such a young age to not get pregnant, right? We're taught like <laughs> to be very careful. We fear it. You know, I remember in high school being like, don't go to a swimming pool because you like ridiculous things about how easy it is to get pregnant. And yes, when you're younger, it is a lot easier, but we're not actually taught how our cycle works or how the fertility window it works. And I think also then at a very young age, we're kind of all put on hormonal contraceptives and then we kind of tune out from the natural cycles of our periods right yeah Yeah. and I find it slightly reassuring that the data does suggest that the reduction of fertility is not totally age-related because women in their 20s are also experiencing struggles just as much women in their 30s I feel that often people will say oh it's because women are trying for children later which isn't necessarily what the data uh, suggests Mm -hmm. in your own journey did you feel things needed to change or what do you think changed your ability to get pregnant from when you started? So I started, so the first time I got pregnant, it was an accident. I had a coil in, so I had an ectopic pregnancy. So really shocking. Um, and then once that resolved, my doctor was kind of like, so what's your plan? Because you're, you're 35. And as soon as he said that, all of a sudden I was like, oh, is this something I have to worry about? And it's interesting because I didn't think I would feel that way. And I'd always seen myself as very healthy and we were just taking our time. But as soon as he said that, then I started to focus on it more. I then had two miscarriages. One was a missed miscarriage and then one I miscarried at nine weeks. And there was nothing wrong with either of us. So we had tests done. And what I realized actually was just my pace, my stress, my oxidative stress, my inflammatory load was high. So even though... I'm kind of fit and healthy. I worked crazy hours. I exercised very intensively every day, sometimes multiple times a day. My diet was good, but my stress was just out of control. So for me, just kind of bringing that down a bit, bringing that intensity down, focusing on recovery, which I don't think we do enough of, and bringing the stress down was really important for me. But um, we actually got pregnant the first time through IUI. So I did go down that Route, I started to get really anxious just because every time I had a miscarriage, my, my doctor would then suggest it's time for IVF, which I also found very 
intrusive and surprising because we hadn't been trying for that long when we first um, were told that. And I think as you probably know, or you've probably heard, like as soon as you decide you want to get pregnant, you want to get pregnant now. Mm. And um, it's very challenging going through miscarriages. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of thinking, what if I never get pregnant? And then combined with that, my husband, before the pandemic, he traveled, I mean, all the time. And so I started getting really tense about whether or not he was going to be home for that. I mean, it was it was Feeling not my down. proud. Yeah, but you're like, you can't travel next week. I'm ovulated. It becomes yeah. so Takes unfun. Yeah. Um, unfun and unsexy. Not sexy at all. <laughs> so we decided to do IUI instead of IVF the first well, time. Um, would you mind explaining what IUI is? So IUI is... Um, intrauterine insemination. So um, they kind of place the sperm into your mm. uterus when you ovulate. Okay. Yeah. So it's a kind of a step before right. IVF. So I didn't have to do any hormones. It was, um, and now I was lucky it worked the first time. Mm. So that was how I had my first one. And then I had some miscarriages again after her before I had my second one who I had naturally. So it's really interesting about the exercise yeah. point you mentioned. Yeah. That obviously affects our hormones in different ways. Yeah. How did you feel that your body changed? And actually, was it difficult for you to stop exercising so much, given that you know, it was so part of your routine to be yeah. exercising that amount? Yeah. You realize, or I realized that I certainly used exercise as a coping mechanism for stress, right? Because you can turn off, you can feel so kind of in that flow state where y your mind is just free. So I found it really challenging to replace that with just being calm or being still or enjoying myself or mm. taking more time to cook. I still exercise. I, I just brought the intensity down, right? Because I, I would do, you know, high intensity spinning multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. So I just kind of pulled that back and I did more yoga, more walking, more strength, more Pilates, all, all that kind of stuff. So it's just about modifying where you're out of balance. What do you think happens in the body when we do opt for more gentle exercise? So it's very nuanced, right? So with high intensity exercise, it can be very healthy. And there are a lot of positive associations with high intensity workouts, high intensity cardio. It's that if you're not then recovering, mm. right? So it's not just one thing in isolation, because I hear a lot of women tell me that they're afraid to run or they're afraid to do hit if they're trying to conceive. And it's not about that. It's about what does your lifestyle look like as a whole? Are you actually recovering? Are you sleeping enough? How's the stress outside of it? How's your diet? It's all going to play a part. So I think for me, it just really brought that cortisol down. I was able to sleep better. I was able to recover more. And that's what was something that really, really helped my journey, I think. You could have created a line or a product of supplementation for, I mean, endless things. Yeah. But you've chosen quite specifically with the products that you focused on. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, metabolic health yes. is a really key pillar. Super of, passionate about that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that mm -hmm. I would probably even struggle to try to explain why that's important. Apart yeah. from, oh, I think it helps with digestion. So right. what is supplementation for metabolic health? Yeah. And what should people know about this? Yeah, so I think metabolism has been sucked into the dietary world when it shouldn't be, right? So we think of 
or I think a lot of people think of metabolism like calories in, calories out, how do I lose weight? And it's not about that at all. It's about how our body, our cells create and process energy, right? So that's kind of our metabolic health. In from a medical point of view, if you have good metabolic health, it means you have the absence of blood sugar problems, high blood pressure, you, you have a healthy waist to hip ratio, your cholesterol is fine. So there are markers that kind of indicate good metabolic health or not. Metabolic health is everything, right? How our bodies can create and process energy, basically how our cells live is everything. So I think it's really important that we start taking care of it. Now, metabolic health for us as a nation is on the decline. You know, so many people are suffering from type 2 diabetes. So many people have pre-diabetes, metabolic syndrome, where we kind of lose control of blood sugar. We start to have higher blood pressure. These things are all going to impact how long we live and how long our health span is. So I think looking at metabolic health for me was really important because it's the foundation of everything. Why did you create the products and how does your products then support metabolic health? So Metabolic Fix is our kind of best seller. It's our really? number one. Yeah, it's kind of our cult favorite because it helps us with blood sugar balance and energy production. So I think blood sugar is something that's become very on trend. Thank gosh, finally. But it's something that so many of us are having a hard time with. And when you get your blood sugar under control, it's transformational. It's transformational for your mood. It's transformational for your energy. It affects everything. So I think that is one of the most important things for people to start with is balancing your blood sugar. Now you can do it through food and you should try. You can do it with exercise. You can do it with supplementation, but taking a supplement isn't going to be enough to kind of overcome super poor dietary habits. So it's really important to start with the food that you're eating every day. And it's really challenging, but it's one of the best ways to cultivate a relationship with food that isn't based on fear or isn't like, don't eat that because you'll gain weight. It's not about that. It's about how we feel and how we function. And we want to be feeling and functioning well, right? Where do you think the most amount of hidden sugar lies and what do you think surprises most people when you're talking to them about this? So I think it's just being aware that there's sugar in everything. So looking at cereals, looking at yogurts, just seeing where things are added in. Then there's the ones that are more overt, like obviously uh, your candies, your cakes, um, snack foods, snack bars. It's everywhere. So I think one of the things we're learning about our current food supply is that it's not done with you know our, our health. In, in, mind. in mind, right? And what product companies want to do is they want to sell more. So to sell more, you need to consume it faster and you need to consume a lot of it, right? So, and also the thing with ultra processed food is there, the taste is manufactured to hit that sweet spot of sweet salt fat, right? So things where you really just get that hedonic factor of food where you want more. I've never eaten an apple and then been compelled to like eat one really fast, right? When you eat whole food, you don't get that same kind of a spike. When you eat some chips, you can just be like, oh my gosh, I need more, 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 right? These, these foods, they interact with our brain chemistry. And so that's also why it's really important to try, and it takes time, but try to just kind of switch your diet over to whole foods, real foods, your taste will change and you'll start to notice the effects that these ultra processed foods have on your mood, have on your energy, have on your gut, on, on everything. What has exploded in the last few years is medications like Ozempic. Yes. 
And uh, you have a great advert, which is nature's Ozempic. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you've formulated something that kind of provides a natural alternative to Ozempic. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Ozempic? And is it true there can be a natural alternative to the impact Ozempic, you know, has on the body? Yeah. So I formulated Metabolic Fix years ago before Ozempic hit the scene. So I certainly was not trying to do a natural Ozempic. Secondly, our ad is what is berberine. And it, it was in response to people saying that the berberine herbal compound is nature's Ozempic. So it's a blog about berberine, which is found in a bunch of our formulations. So just, just to clear that up, I didn't try to formulate a natural one. Ozempic, it's a challenge, right? So it can be life-saving for people. It has a real use case for people who wear the pros outweigh the cons, right? So if it can help you get back to a state of health and then you continue on, then that's a good thing. I think it's being misused, of course. And I think we're altering people's appetites. They're losing weight, fine. But the outcomes aren't necessarily beneficial long-term. They're losing a lot of lean muscle mass, which is one of the markers of metabolic health. Sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle mass, is one of the biggest concerns as we age. So we're perpetuating that. And again, we've taken the focus off of teaching people about how to create health, right? What type of food, what kind of diet is actually going to be helpful for creating a metabolically healthy environment? So I think it's very tough right now because it's playing on people's emotions and how they know that people want to lose weight mm. um, and there's it's being sold as this quick easy fix miracle drug but it has a lot of side effects it has terrible side effects we don't know what the long-term ones are yet there's a lot of ones that are coming out that aren't good and also we're losing tons of lean muscle mass which is our metabolic currency right so it's not being done in the healthiest way i think a far better way would be is if you go on Ozempic, you're counseled, you know, with foods, you're counseled with maybe if there was a, any kind of emotional pattern that contributed to where you got to. And then you're taught how to train, right? You're taught how to exercise at home. It doesn't have to cost money. Like I said, you can do a ton of stuff with your body weight. And as you lose weight, as you're on it, you build muscle mass, you know, you become healthier so that you can eventually come off of it and continue on. What's your thoughts on Azempic and fertility? Because I feel that when you're in your fertile years, mm -hmm. Does it pose more dangers going on these medications? On the package, it says you're not supposed to take it if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, right? So I think that for people taking it to lose those extra 10 pounds, I would avoid. Now, type 2 diabetes and having a BMI of over a certain amount can contribute to infertility. So again, if your doctor is trying to work with you to lose weight to improve your fertility, then fine, it has a place. But again, what are we working on at the same time mm. to, to get that cellular health better, to reduce inflammation, to reduce oxidative stress, to build your lean muscle mass, to get healthier? So it's not just about taking it as a quick fix. It can be a part of a, a plan, I think, to get you to a place that could improve your fertility outcomes. But again, I think it, there's some nuance there that needs to be addressed. My last question is on fatigue and energy, because I yeah. feel that 80% of people I know, the common thing they say is, mm -hmm. I am so tired at the moment. I don't yeah. know, I'm sleeping, but I'm so tired. 
Yeah. What's the common causes of fatigue and how do we address it? So I think, again, like looking at your health as a whole, if you're experiencing sudden fatigue, especially if you have any other symptoms, it's important to go to your doctor. Now it's probably fine. But fatigue right now, from what I'm seeing, is our diets, how much we sleep, how much alcohol, right? That I think that we forget that things like that aren't normal, right? Mm. Like alcohol, again, is a toxin. So I love for people to try something where they cut out, you know, any refined sugar, any, any alcohol, just for three weeks, right? Mm. Get your diet really healthy, move your body every day. Most people are shocked at how much better they feel if they just spend a couple weeks being kind of a little bit more in tune with their bodies. And then if it goes away, which 95% of the time it does, you can kind of think, okay, what were the foods that might have been contributing? Am I eating a lot of sugar? Am I not eating enough protein in the morning? Mm. Most of us, we wake up and we have a carby, sugary breakfast, which sends our blood sugar up and then right back down again. So it's just things like that where it takes a while to work it out. It takes some trial and error. But I always think the best way to be motivated is to feel the changes for yourself, which is why I do like to kind of have those three weeks where you you cut it out, but not in a restrictive way that feels punishing more in a way where you're curious about the, the impact food has on your health and you approach it in a positive way. Cause I think if you do it in a negative way, you get to the end of it being like, Oh, I can't wait to have this food. Right. Mm. If you do it in a way where you're like, I'm really excited to see what this does, then it doesn't feel like you're doing it as a punishment. And then you can investigate things from there. Maybe you were having wine four times a week, but but actually your sweet spot is you can only have it two times a week, right? Because Mm -hmm. all these things affect us. Maybe you were having a really sugary something for breakfast and you've replaced that with eggs and avocado and sourdough Mm -hmm. and actually now you feel great. So it's about knowing that it's going to take you time, Mm -hmm. um, but it just like start with what you're eating and what you're putting in your mouth every day. As you said at the beginning, you can't eat an elephant all at once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's really important to just be patient. Do you ship globally? How do people kind of access your products? Yep. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll make sure I'll put links to the fertility supplement, which is a firm favorite of mine and metabolic fix, which we've spoken about along with details about you. Um, If people have questions, where's the best place to ask them? Yeah. So you can message me on Instagram. I'm at Reen Stevenson. Our website is arta.co. Amazing. Where does Arta, even the name. So Arta means purpose, and I love it because um, you kind of can't fulfill your your purpose if you don't have your health. So I just yes. thought it was something really nice. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a me. very insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today, please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much. I'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so. My mental health book, Happy Not Perfect, is available to order now. The book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker, a skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions, and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. Until next time, I love hearing from you, so do shoot me a message on Instagram, send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 